we pointed out through the whole study, have been intensely persecuted for their faith. They've had family members who have lost their life because they were believers in Jesus Christ. Many of them have been driven out of their families, rejected by parents, brothers, sisters, uh, because of their uh, faith in Jesus Christ, uh, lost jobs, been driven out of their communities. And Peter's writing to them, and he's trying to encourage them. He's instructing them in a lot of things. And now he's down to his final statement in verse number 14. And he makes, uh, you'll see here in a moment, he makes two statements. Notice he says, verse 14, he says, Greet ye one another with a kiss of charity. Now he's writing to these believers scattered all over. Uh, And they're reestablishing churches in the areas where they fled to. Greet one another with a kiss of charity. And then he, 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 that's the instruction. Then he gives this benediction or this blessing. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. And he finishes the letter. So I'm entitled tonight, Charity and Peace. Let's pray together. Father, I ask you to bless now our study in your word. It's been a good day. I'm so grateful for uh, the opportunity to be a part of the body of Christ, be a part of Mountain Lake. What a blessing. I pray now as we finish out the day that you'd meet with us. I pray that you would instruct us, challenge, encourage, direct us. Lord, I ask that you would please fill me with your Holy Spirit tonight. I yield my will again. Present my body just, Lord, as an instrument in your hands for you to speak through and to teach us and help us and challenge us. So fill me with your spirit, Lord. Be the preacher tonight, I pray with all my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. It was interesting. I got looking at how Paul ended his letters. And I found that almost and almost all of his letters, Paul would end them with a blessing of grace. Now, keep your place here. I just want to show you a few examples of that. If you would, just come back a few pages to 1 Timothy. Just go towards the front of your Bible. You'll run into Hebrews, and then uh, you'll run into Timothy there before long. 1 Timothy, look go all the way to the end of 1 Timothy, <clears throat> chapter number 6, and look with me, if you would, at verse number 21. He says, he's ending his letter to Timothy. Now, he's coming to the end of his life. 2 Timothy is the last letter he writes. And he says, verse 21, he says, Which some, professing, have erred concerning the faith, grace be with thee. That was very characteristic of the Apostle Paul. If you would, come to 2 Timothy and go all the way to the end of 2 Timothy. Look with me, if you would, at chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. And verse 22, notice what Paul says here when he finishes his letter. He says, the Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit, and here it is again, grace be with you, amen. Now if you would, flip over a page or so to Titus, chapter number 3, right after 2 Timothy, Titus. Go all through the end, and here we have Paul saying it again. He says, grace be with you all, amen. And then, uh, I believe, uh, then uh, Philemon, if you flip over here to Philemon, he says at verse 25, just one chapter here, he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace. Now, I believe Paul was the penman of the book of Hebrews. If you would come to the end of Hebrews, others uh, suggest others have, uh, some people suggest someone else was the penman. I believe it was Paul. I spoke 
believe it or not, I spoke for three hours one time in, an, in a college on Paul being the penman of Hebrews. It was dynamic, I'll tell you. Three hours of Paul the penman. But notice how, I believe, Paul ends the book of Hebrews. Grace be with you all. Amen. So that was very characteristic of the Apostle Paul. Now we look at Peter's, how he ends his letter. And by the way, the, I don't believe God just tacks these little statements on the end just to fill space. I think they're given by inspiration. I believe they're profitable for doctrine, proof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Even these little statements here at the end. And so Peter ends his with peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. And so he ends his letter here with an instruction and with a blessing. Now I want first of all, in just a little time here uh, we have, I want first of all to look at this instruction that he ends his letter with. Now this caught my fancy, and it caught my curiosity here, and I did uh, what I consider an interesting study. You might not get anything out of it, but... Uh, I thought it was interesting. Notice his instruction, the first part of verse 14. He says, greet ye one another with a what? Kiss of charity. He's telling these believers that they are to greet one another with a kiss of charity. How many people find that a little bit interesting? Nobody. Oh, I, I do. That, that picks my curiosity, really. A uh, kiss of charity, huh? And so I did a little research. I found out that kissing is mentioned at least 45 times in the Bible. How many people are amazed by that? Three people. 45 times. In the Old Testament, now, now this is interesting. And I, the Old Testament, the word kiss... Uh, means this. It means it, it is a, an expression of loyalty, respect, and submission. In the Old Testament, when someone would kiss, it was, for the most part, it was an expression of loyalty to that person. It was an expression of respect for that person. And there was an element of submission to it. Um, for instance, in Ruth, chapter number 1 and verse 14, we won't take time to turn these, but in Ruth, if you remember the story of Ruth, Naomi and her husband flee uh, Israel, and they go into Moab, I think, uh, to avoid a famine. There, her husband dies, and her two boys die. How many people remember the story of Ruth? A little bit. And they all die. Her husband and her boys die. Her boys married before they died. And she has these two daughter-in-laws who are now widowed along with her. She finds out that the famine is over back in Israel, in Bethlehem, and she decides to go back home. As she goes, he tell, she tells her two daughters, listen, you gals stay here. You're Moabites. You, you, this is your home. This is where your family is. You stay here. And they said, no, 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 we're going to go with you. And um, uh, Naomi says, uh, no, she said, even, if, even if I do have more boys, uh, you wouldn't wait until they're grown to marry them. So you gals stay here. And, um, uh, and they say, no, we're going to go with you. One of the daughter-in-law, Orpah, 
says, okay, I'm going to stay. Ruth says, I'll go with you. Where you die, I'll di- where you live, I'll live. Where you die, I'll die. Your people, my people, your God, my God. She says all that. But Orpah, the Bible says, in verse number 14, the Bible says Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. Now, that was an expression of her respect for Naomi. It was an expression of loyalty to Naomi. And I think in, in Orpah kissing Naomi, her mother-in-law, she was saying to her, listen, I have tremendous respect for you. And I will be loyal to you, but I'm staying home. You go on. You go on. The significance behind a little statement, the Bible says she kissed her. The significance, what that was communicating to Naomi is profound. Um, in Genesis chapter 29, and there's many other instances, I just pulled a couple out, uh, in verse 13, Laban, the Bible says, uh, uh, Jacob shows up, he comes back, he falls in love with uh, Rachel, and, uh, and uh, Laban sees him, and the Bible says that Laban kissed Jacob. Now, Jacob would have been his nephew, I believe, and he kissed him, and what he was saying is, we're family. And I respect you, and as family, I will be loyal to you. Loyalty. So in the Bible, a kiss had significance. When someone kissed each other in the Bible, it was significant. Now you, uh, you get to the Song of Solomon. Now that's a whole other story there, I'll tell you. That was romantic, uh, intimate, uh, sensual kissing as a husband and wife. And uh, you read through... Um, uh, Solomon, and I'll tell you, uh, you read through the Song of Solomon, it gets a little steamy in there a little bit. Now, I know what all the teen boys are going to go home and read Sol- Song of Solomon tonight, and I know what you guys are going to do. And um, Kissing is mentioned seven times in the New Testament. Believe it or not, kissing. The first time it's mentioned is in Luke chapter 7, verse 45. How many people never expected to hear me talk about kissing tonight in church? Yeah. The first time it's mentioned is in Luke chapter 7, verse 45, where Jesus is having a meal with a self-righteous fella. And while he's doing the meal, uh, this converted prostitute comes in and washes Jesus' feet. And the Bible says she begins to kiss his feet. She's telling the Lord because of the forgiveness he's shown her and the transformation that took place in her life because of him, the Lord Jesus Christ. She's expressing to him respect and loyalty and kissing his feet of all things in submission to him. And what she was saying was this, I am loyal and submissive to you and I'm unashamed of it. And the interesting thing is, this fellow comes by, this fellow that's hosting the meal, and says, if he knew what kind of woman that was, he wouldn't let her do that. And Jesus turns that whole thing around and rebukes him. And he says, this woman was forgiven much. She goes, since I got in here, she's wept and washed my feet and kissed my feet. He says, you didn't kiss me when we greeted, when I came in here. And it was a rebuke. He said, you, you showed no expression of loyalty to me. You showed no expression of respect to me. You showed no expression of affection for me. And yet here this, this woman that's been forgiven so much, so grateful and so loyal, 
Kissing in the Bible was very, very significant. It was very significant. The second time we find kissing in the Bible is in Luke chapter 22, verse 48. And this is a fellow by the name of Judas. Now think about what the biblical meaning of kissing is. Loyalty, respect, affection, submission. And Judas shows up in the Garden of Gethsemane the night Jesus is about to be taken and crucified, and he betrays, listen to this, he betrays the Lord Jesus Christ with a kiss. An expression that communicates loyalty, respect, Submission and affection. And Judas's kiss was anything but all of those. It wasn't, it wasn't loyalty, it was betrayal. It wasn't affection, it was rejection. Kissing in the Bible. Paul mentions kissing uh, four times. Um, in Romans 16, at the end of the book of Romans, the end of 1 Corinthians, end of 2 Corinthians, and the end of 1 Thessalonians, he mentions a holy kiss. Now, Paul puts this uh, qualifier on it. He says, greet one another with a holy kiss. So if he's telling them to greet each other with a holy kiss, that would imply to me it would be possible for them to uh, 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 greet each other with a what? Unholy kiss. A kiss that would be inappropriate. A kiss that would be impure. A kiss that would not be blameless. And so he's telling them to, uh, he's instructing them, you express your loyalty, you express your affection, you express your respect to one another, but you do it in a holy way. A holy kiss. The New Testament kiss was a form of greeting that expressed loyalty. It was very common. Now, as I understand it, as I studied this a little bit, I understand that in the New Testament, at this period of time, in this culture, the kissing took place between men. Men would greet each other with a kiss, a holy kiss. Women would greet each other with a holy kiss. Men with men, women with women. It was not impure. It was not ungodly. It was not uh, uh, um, uh, inappropriate in any way, shape, or form. They thought nothing of it. Very similar to maybe us uh, giving a handshake, except it would be a little bit more intimate, I guess you could say. Maybe more like uh, greeting each other with a hug. I know i got some preacher friends in the last 20 years, 30 years. Uh, it's been kind uh, of, it's kind of a weird, some of these guys have weird hugs. Kind of grab them and you kind of hit your shoulders. Anybody ever see that? And um, so then it's like, oh yeah, <clears throat> hit them harder. <laughs> see who can knock each other over. But that was kind of the, that was kind of the idea behind this. Uh, greeting each other with a holy kiss. In fact, in, there's cultures today where they still do that. Uh, my pastor, when I was in Indianapolis on staff there, 
uh, the pastor was able to go with a group of pastors, one of the first uh, American preachers to enter Russia after the fall of the Iron Curtain. Anybody remember back, I think it was like 89, 88, 89, somewhere in there, and it opened up. And he was one of the first groups to go in there, and they toured Russia in what were formerly underground churches. And these believers in Russia who had been persecuted so intensely, he met pastors who had scars that were released out of prison when Russia opened up a little bit, released out of prison, had scars on their bodies because they were beaten for teaching and preaching the Word of God. And he said, now get this, he said the bond and the love and the holy godly affection that they had for one another under that intense persecution was, uh, was obvious. And uh, he said he learned when he first got there, the men would greet each other with a kiss. And the men would greet each other with a kiss on the lips. I said, what'd you do? He said, I ain't doing it. <laughs> He said, I love him. I thank God for him. But I wasn't doing it. I'm not Russian. <laughs> and, um, but that was, to them, it was nothing. No different than you and I shaking hands. You and I bumping shoulders. Um, it was an expression of loyalty, of commitment, of, of compassion and, and affection for one another. Nothing unholy about it. Nothing impure, inappropriate about it. Um, some places, uh, it's uh, in, in Eastern Europe and different places, they'll ki- meet, greet and kiss on the cheeks. They'll give a little kiss on the cheek. A holy kiss. For believers, now this is what I want to get at. For believers facing such intense rejection that Peter is writing to them, their families have rejected them. The friends they grew up with have rejected them because of their faith in Christ. And to have this expression of love and respect and loyalty, I believe, was precious to those, new, to those dear believers. That we are loved, we are loyal to each other. Um, for these believers, this was nothing even remotely inappropriate. Nothing even remotely impure. Nothing even remotely unholy. It meant the world to them that this was an expression of loyalty, camaraderie, compassion, and respect. It reminds me a little bit. Um, we talk, we talk in, every now and then, and many of us remember very fondly uh, Brother Mike Stubler. What a dear brother in Christ. And he's, uh, he's almost, in my mind, become larger than life. In a lot of ways. But he wasn't here long. He got saved. And very few people in my ministry have grasped what Christianity is all about as quickly as Mike did. I mean, he got a hold of it. And one day, we were doing something. I don't remember what it was. But I referred to him. I said, hey, Brother Mike. Brother Stubbler. And he pulled me aside afterward. He says, you called me brother. I said, yeah. I said, brother. He said, what, what, why do you do that? What's that mean? He didn't know. He said, what's that about? I said, well, we're brothers in Christ. We've trusted Christ, and God's our Father, and we're spiritual brothers now. 
And the ladies, spiritual brothers and sisters. And we're brothers, we're family in Christ. He said, really? He goes, you say that? I said, yeah. I'm telling you, he had been rejected. And I'm telling you, that meant the world to Brother Mike to be referred to as brother. Brother, I got a family. I have a family that loves me, is loyal to me. And that's what this kiss of charity that Peter references, this holy kiss that Paul refers to, and he's instructing them to do that. He's telling you, telling them, do this. Loyalty. Now, I got reading about it, and I read several historians, biblical historians and commentators, and one of them said, uh, said that over a period of time, as the church expanded and grew, and it became, uh, the churches became more accepted in society over a period of time, that um, this kiss of charity, this holy kissing, became not so holy. And it began to be abused. And it began to be misapplied. And over time, the church dropped it because of its abuse, because of how it was being changed into more of a sensual type expression, like would be between husband and wife. And it was, that was spilling over into the church use of it. And so the churches over time began to drop it and not use it anymore because of its abuse. Um, I believe, you say, well, what do you think we should do, preacher? My wife said, we ought to set up a kissing booth out in the back there. And I said, no. Like you would imagine, I would not advise this. Um, I think there's other ways that we can communicate the very same loyalty. We can communicate our affection and our respect for one another in a way that would, could not, would not be misinterpreted and would be more appropriate. However, I do believe this. Our expressions of love for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ our expressions of loyalty and respect for one another are vital for a healthy church. Now we won't do it in that with that expression because just because of how it's changed over years. But I do believe we ought to make every effort and deliberately express to one another in one form or another appropriately our love, our loyalty our respect and affection for one another. Amen? Just like you would family. Just like you would family. And so Peter writes to these believers, and he finishes up and he says, listen, you make sure what you express to each other your love, your loyalty, your respect, and your affection for one another. You make that a part of your interaction. You make that a part of your, your daily interaction with one another, the fact that you love and support. You know, it wouldn't hurt just to say to God's people, hey, listen, I love you. I love you in the Lord. Thank God for you. I respect you. Now, I've tried to do that for going on 30 years now. We do Lord's Supper. I try. I, I may have missed some, but I try every time to express to our church my love for Mountain Lake Independent Baptist Church. I have tremendous respect for every single member and tremendous loyalty. We ought to be loyal to each other. Amen. Amen. That's what Peter's telling them. 
This kiss of charity. And then he leaves a benediction, and I'll end with this. Notice he says in the last part of verse 14, Peace be with you, all, with you all that are in Christ Jesus. Peace be with you all. It's interesting, if you come back to chapter 1 and verse 2, he starts off with expressing the peace of God to them. He says, uh, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. He's speaking to them about their position in Christ through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. So he begins his letter referring to the peace of God. He ends his letter with a reference to the peace of God to them that are in Christ Jesus. And I think he's making a very clear statement. I think he's simply saying this. Listen. All your persecution you're going through, all the opposition you're facing, all the rejection you've had to deal with, in the midst of all of that, because we're in Christ, we can still have peace in our heart and mind. We don't have to live in turmoil. We don't have to live in stressed out and, and sick to our stomach. In the midst of the most intense persecution, God's people, people that are in Christ, we can have peace in our heart and mind. The peace of God that passes all understanding. And so he's leaving on them with that. Charity and peace. It's vital. The spiritual healthy church. And again, Mike Stubler said, I'm your brother. I'm your brother. I said, yeah, you're my brother. And every single member Mountain Lake Independent Baptist Church, every one of us that know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, I want to remind you tonight, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're loyal. We respect. We have affection. And we submit to one another. And that's what that expression was. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I don't know how you'd use these thoughts here tonight. But Lord, it's your word. And I pray you'd put in our heart a love for your people, for one another, a respect, a loyalty. So grateful for the family atmosphere here at Mount Lake Independent Baptist Church. I pray you'd help us to nurture that, protect that, and uh, Lord, uh, glorify you in all of it. I wonder with our heads bowed, eyes closed, I wonder how many folks here tonight, I have no idea how the Holy Spirit might speak to your heart. But I wonder if there's some here tonight say, Preacher, you know... I could be a little more loyal in my speech, my words, to and about God's people in the church. Sometimes we end up saying things we think, man, and uh, that wasn't very loyal. That wasn't very respectful. I wonder if there's any say, preacher, pray with me. I want to work on that. Be a little more loyal, a little more respectful in my talking to and about God's people. Any like that? By the uplifted hand, sure. We probably all need work on that. We probably all need work on that. I wonder if there's some say, Preacher, I really need that peace of God. I know I'm saved, but I let things bother me. Things go wrong, things go bad. Man, it just eats me up. And I want that peace of God that comes with being in Christ. Only God can give it to us. And you'd say, Preacher, pray with me that I can get that in my heart and mind. Any like that? Uplifted hand, I need that peace of God. God bless you. Hands all around. We're finishing out the Lord's Day. We've got a new work week ahead of us. Maybe we want to hit an old altar and say, Lord, help me. Fill me with your spirit. Use me. Be a good witness this week. To be a blessing as a church member this week. 
Father, bless their invitation, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.